is Tracy Bauer. I'm Dan Olson-Bang. And this is GradCast brought to you by Syracuse University. Welcome to our first episode on the job search. So I'm excited that we are starting this podcast. Um, We named it GradCast uh, due to the brainstorming of a civil engineer, December 2019 graduate. So we're happy to be incorporating some of the ideas that students were really interested in. And today we'll get started by answering some of your frequently asked questions on the job search. Tracy, one question that we get frequently is, when do companies hire? In other words, students apply to jobs, but they don't exactly know when they should start applying. So when when do they know that they've got the timing right, and how do they know? This is something that I think students get really confused about because some of the companies that come to campus in the fall end up hiring for the summer for interns or for full-time job opportunities. And what starts to happen is you see your friends getting hired and you start to worry that all of the hiring has finished. So when students start to then apply to companies that aren't doing on-campus recruiting in November or December and they don't hear anything back, they get nervous that their documents aren't great, that their um, experiences aren't really great, and they get a lot of rejections but it's really just a timing issue. So when you see different companies come to campus, of course, some of them are hiring for six to nine months out, but far more companies are hiring for when you are available and when they have a job opening. So that means if you apply to a position in January or February, and it's with a company that doesn't come to campus, it's one opening that you're seeing on the internet, That position is really for somebody who can start really close to when that job is opened. So that means when you apply to positions in January or February, you're not getting considered mainly because they can easily see on your resume that you are a student and you're either in classes until at least May or that you're graduating in May. So they're really looking at you as not available for their current needs. And I think this is really important. And we're obviously, we're going to talk about the job search today, but we're going to touch on networking quite a bit as well. And if you have a dream company that you'd really like to work with, talking to people to find out how long does the hiring process typically take? Should I be applying for positions in February, even though I can't start until June? Should I wait until April? Um, networking contacts at the company can give you an idea of the timing of the entire hiring process. So that way you can be applying to positions and not be worried that your materials aren't great just because you're not hearing back because it really was more of a timing issue than anything else. So I think it really helps or makes students think that they are getting rejected and that their materials aren't great far more than actually is true. So it can be really confusing. So Dan, a lot of the questions that we get are some rumors or some different uh, thoughts from a senior or your friend or your roommate. So what types of things would you say if students are really hearing a lot of confusing information from their peers or students who are maybe a year above them in a program? We hear that a lot. My senior said that uh, the best way to do this is X or the the resume of somebody that I know who got a job looks like, or even sometimes I find that people talk about what their colleagues, what their fellow students have, and those fellow students don't necessarily actually have anything better than what you have in terms of outcomes or final results. So 
I, th- I and Tracy both, I think, are quick to caution people that what your peers say, what your friends say, and the competing advice that results from that uh, can be both confusing and counterproductive. A good way to think about the person's advice who's giving you advice is, are they successful at what you want to be successful at? In other words, if they have the job that you want to have, you should give them a listen. On the other hand, if they've been at Syracuse University for eight months to a year longer than you, and they are not currently employed in the kind of role that you want, I would be a little skeptical about it. Not because they're bad people or that they have bad intentions or or anything reflecting on them, just that they haven't done what it takes yet to prove that their ideas are successful. Another problem, a corollary to this problem, is that some students go to multiple career offices on campus, and which is and there's nothing wrong with that, and they get different advice as a result. And so then they say, well, this office said this, and you're saying this, and what am I supposed to do with this information? And one answer is that there is no right way to do things. I'd say probably there are wrong ways, but not a whole lot of clear-cut right ones. And so you should um, make sure to recognize that this is your material, this is your job search, and so a final level of you deciding what makes sense to you and sounds right to you is a totally reasonable thing to do, and I wouldn't hesitate to do that. So take everybody's advice with a grain of salt. Frankly, even Tracy's and mine, you know, no, nobody's right all the time about everything. And at the end of the day, this is your work. This is your material. Now, Tracy, another thing that comes up a lot is um, that we tell people, okay, we'd like to see you networking. And so they reach out to recruiters and the recruiters either get back in a very shallow way or even worse, they're not even responding. What do you say to that? What do you do about that? Yeah, so this comes into play with networking and also into how do I follow up? I applied online. I think my materials went into some black hole, never to be heard from again. How do I know that the recruiter received my information? How do I follow up on my application? And I think the difficult thing here is recruiters don't want to be reached out to. When I was a recruiter, which was already so long ago, I would get maybe 100 applications for an opportunity. And that's something at a local company in Syracuse or Rochester where you're, you know, the students that we're working with, you all are interested in really high-end companies, um, top places to work, large organizations, brand names that we all know. And what happens is the recruiters are receiving hundreds, if not thousands, of applications for every opening that they have. And they really want to control that process to be able to go through the resumes and the applications and then reach out to the job seeker. So following up can be really difficult because a lot of recruiters will get a little bit annoyed at job seekers reaching out just because if every job seeker did that, that would be all the recruiter would be doing is talking to job seekers that may not be the best fit. They wouldn't be able to proactively do their positions. So I have had some students 
that have had success reaching out to recruiters, but I wouldn't recommend that as a strategy. The recruiter oftentimes has a degree that's different than the discipline you're going into. They oftentimes aren't working in the department that you're interested in. So I would encourage you instead to reach out to alumni and and different individuals that work in the roles that you are interested in. Now, of course, they may or may not be in charge of the hiring decisions, but you can get a lot of great insight into the company, into the department or the role that interests you, which is far better than just reaching out to a recruiter who's probably either not going to call you back or not going to give you any responses that are going to be valuable to you to help out. Now, we know that networking is oftentimes new to the students that we're working with. It can also be a little difficult, and we're going to talk about networking a bit more in a later episode. But reaching out to recruiters isn't the best strategy. I oftentimes think that recruiters are the ones that aren't going to get back to you far more than anybody else that you're going to network with. Recruiters have the power and uh, the power to make those hiring decisions And so when it's up to them, they really want to focus and work with the hiring managers of the different departments to make those decisions. So I would encourage you to keep networking and to reach out to a variety of people to have some success. And and we'll talk about that again later on, so I don't want to go too far into it. Um, But networking is something you should be doing on a constant basis. So that way, when it comes time for you to apply to a position, you've established some relationships instead of just just reaching out to people and asking for something more immediate, which is not what the purpose of networking is. Um, So I would stay away from reaching out to recruiters, focus more on the people that work there, focus more on those SU alumni. So another question that we get quite a bit is, I've applied to 200 jobs, I've heard 700 jobs, I've heard 1,000 jobs, And so the frustrating piece of all of this application, all this time I've spent on these applications is I've received no response. So Dan, what's wrong with my resume that I'm not getting any response and I've applied to a thousand jobs? It's really true. Some people do say, I have applied to 1,000 jobs and I think to myself, they have worked so hard. That is so exhausting. (laughs) It's not simply a matter of... um, sending out an, e- an email with a resume, you have to go through every HR portal, fill in stuff, make up a login, keep the login, remember where it was, remember where you applied. I just can't even imagine the organizational nightmare that this would entail. So I feel the pain of these people who do this. And so the question is, what's my resume that we get in response to that? And I usually tell people that they're not asking the right question. What you should really say is, what's wrong with my strategy? Is this really the best way for me to approach this uh, process? <clears throat> and, you know, one thing to say about that is that you may already have answered your question because you've already had so many um, job application rejections. So a certain number of them doesn't mean a whole lot. But once you get enough rejections, it starts to become kind of meaningful, right? It starts to be... Uh, a message to you that you should listen to. So one thing that we've seen, and the the statistics are all over the place, but they are important and worth heeding, is that if you just sit in your PJs in your bed and apply to jobs online, wrote with an unchanged resume, you have about a 5% chance of getting a job. On the other hand, if you network 
the numbers for, for what this is, and, and I can, I'm going to qualify what I mean by networking here in a second, the numbers are somewhere between 60 and 80% success rate. I am no statistician, but I will say that one is a heck of a lot more effective than the other, and that's probably good enough to say in terms of, of it. Now, some people say, yes, I know that the chances of getting a job through a resume are low. That's why I sent so many of them. But that's sort of like saying, I decided I didn't want to get a job, and the lottery offers so much more money than a job, so I just thought I would keep on spending my money on the lottery. I think that you can recognize that maybe just getting a job at the post office is a little bit of a better idea. So networking has a lot more of chance of success, and so uh, that's really where we want you to focus. And I think another thing that's important to remember is a lot of our students, your international students, and there's a lot of newness coming to the United States for everything that you do. And I know that there's a lot of anxiety with messing up interpersonal communications because we hear those questions and those nerves um, constantly when we're meeting with students. But the thing to remember is the way that things are done for your job search in other countries is a little bit different. What our goal is, is to give you the tools to be able to do the job search. Unfortunately, we're not able to just hand you opportunities. And while I don't think anybody is looking for that, I do think that in uh, hearing from students from other countries and, and international universities, there is far more of a different process. So when students come and they try to use the strategies for a different location, that can be really confusing. And it's something that takes some time to learn about, accept, and, and move forward with, but it's something that's going to serve you better in the long run to come and meet with us, talk about I don't know how to do a job search in the U.S. and for us to give you those details and those insights. So what do we mean when we say networking? Often people have a million questions about this and we're going to discuss this more over the course of this podcast, I guarantee you. Um, so networking is an unpredictable and kind of fascinating process by which you open yourself up to serendipity. You kind of try to do the best you can to increase chances of luck. So how do you do it? Well, the first thing that you do is you reach out, as Tracy said, to alumni, to family, to friends. You don't have to reach across to the, the outer reaches of the universe or a famous person. You just talk to people that you know and people that they know, and you ask them for advice. Please note that I said advice, and then I gave a dramatic pause. What I mean by advice is, how did you get your job? What is it like to work here? What suggestions do you have for me as I make my way through this process? That is a far superior way of doing things to the process that we often hear, which is people saying, will you refer me, please? And, um, and so that's something that we really want to be mindful of, is that you want advice. You wouldn't believe what happens when you just seek out advice. So we're going to go into this in greater detail in subsequent podcasts, but the basic idea is that you have to switch strategies. If you've applied to 200 to 1,000 different positions, that means that what you're doing isn't working as well as something else. All right, question for you, Tracy. I hear all often from people who say, I'm panicked, or even they might say, I'm, I know I've been lazy about this. I'm having trouble staying focused. I'm getting rejections. I'm getting very few pings, as I like to say, very few phone calls, emails, questions, interviews. How do I keep going? How do I stay focused without much encouragement? I actually received a few students this spring who said, 
I've been struggling with my job search. And then we were talking about what was going on. And they mentioned, you know, actually, I've been lazy about my job search. And I think that was a great piece of self-awareness because oftentimes we are unaware of where we're focusing our energy. So when I'm talking with these students, and it's okay, we understand that you're academics, you're in midterms, you're in final projects, different things are going on in your life in addition to your job search. I think it's important for you to remember your why. Why are you looking for a job or an internship? What is the goal of that? And how can that help to hopefully motivate you along the way and remembering that to to kind of move forward. And every day is going to feel a little bit different. But oftentimes when we think of the goal to be to get a full-time job, it seems so big and overwhelming that we struggle with how to then celebrate those small goals along the way. So I encourage you to think about some small goals, figuring out Today, I'm going to reach out to five alumni on LinkedIn to try to do some informational interviews. Today, another day, I'm going to apply to three openings and I'm going to customize my materials for that. And then think about those small goals so that way you can reach to that bigger goal and kind of celebrate those. And obviously, we also want you to meet with us. We are open year round for appointments. And whether you're on campus or off or we're social distancing or we're not, We can do phone or video call appointments. We can help you with additional strategies, give you feedback on what you've done so far, give you some accountability. You know, we're never going to ask you, did you do the homework we assigned you? Because we don't assign a homework, but we also give you some ideas for other things that you can do when you're feeling stale or having trouble focusing. And so we hope to give you some of that variety. Now, Dan, when they're applying and doing their job search, do I really have to customize all of my applications, my resumes and my cover letters? It's it's really difficult. So do I have to? Yes, absolutely you do. Now, what do we mean by customizing? We don't necessarily mean starting from the ground up. But if the job ad asks for a specific set of things, it doesn't make sense to provide other things that aren't relevant and not to provide what they're looking for, which we see unbelievably often. Instead, Make sure that you go through the job ad. Make sure that you're using uh, keywords. So if you use the word collaborate and they use the word um, you know, teamwork, why don't you change it? It makes sense for you just to go ahead and change that language. Make it work for you. Make, make them see your resume and say, this is the person that we're looking for. You wouldn't believe how often a small touch, some changes, some responsiveness to the job ad can really make a difference. And I think recruiters can absolutely tell when you don't customize those materials. So it's really important that you do. Again, when I worked as a recruiter, I could just tell when someone plugged in the name of a company into the cover letter, really showing not only that you have skills, but you have the skills that will solve an issue for the company which the issues and the, the skills that they want is listed exactly on the job description. So we talk about how to um, customize those on our later podcasts on resumes and cover letters. So we hope that you will take a listen because at the end of the day, regardless of your search strategy involving networking and, and reaching out to companies and doing research, you have to have excellent materials. So I think that about wraps up our podcast today on the job search. We hope that you learned something new, that you heard one of your frequently asked questions, 
And although everything can be a little bit different based on your experience and your goals, we hope that this was some general knowledge to get you started. Now, please reach out to us if we can uh, meet with you one-on-one to help you reach your goals and help it help you, you know, find a little bit of an easier time or give you additional ideas for how to be successful. So thank you so much for listening and enjoy the rest of your day. Mm-hmm.